Hi everyone, welcome back to My Sister Made Me View It, going through Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson. Uh, this is Emily's first time through the book, and I'm guiding her through gleefully. <laughs> and this week, Emily, I left you on a cliffhanger. You did. It was the ultimate cliffhanger. <laughs> well, technically, it's not a cliffhanger because they're falling it's from a cliff. cliff. drop-off. <laughs> yeah, it's a cliff drop-off. <laughs> but this week on the podcast... Uh, my name is Megan, <laughs> and, uh, I don't have anything else I need to do today. Well, my name is Emily, I should be house hunting. Oh, yeah, but instead... <laughs> instead... We're making a podcast. We're making a podcast. Emily and I are about to do a couple weeks of a lot, a lot, a lot of recordings. Very intense. And Emily, why is that? <gasps> because Megan signed us up to do a live podcast recording at the upcoming Brandon Sanderson convention, aka Dragonsteel Con. Yep, and <laughs> I want us to talk about some very specific chapters, and so I have to get Emily there really fast. Listen, spoiled readers, you know we're going to cover White Spine Uncaged. Oh no, I don't like that. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what you I only doubt that. Hilariously, though, if you are at the convention, Emily, they gave me the exact time I asked them for. They nobody did. else nobody else wanted it. And I was like, wow, this is a perfect time slot. Why did nobody else want it? Because we're going to be live podcast recording at the exact same time Brandon Sanderson has his panel. And so I don't think anyone will be there. To be fair. It is Brandon's spoiler-filled Q&A. Oh. Uh, he does like a non-spoiler, and this is the spoilery Q&A. So if you hate spoilers, come to our spoiler-free podcast. There you go. We won't talk about secret projects. We won't talk about Stormlight 5. And it'll be fun. We expect maybe four people to be there. If we get five people to listen to our podcast, it will be a It'll success. be so great. <laughs> you know, it's, it's practice. Our first live recording will be for a small, intimate audience. Perfect. Perfect. But this week on our podcast, we are reading chapter 29, Rule of Blood. Chapter 30, Nature Blushing. Chapter 31, The Stillness Before. And chapter 32, the one who hates. <laughs> Emily, at first nature blushing, what did you think of this chunk of chapters? I want to get through this as fast as we can so I can go. Okay, so those of you who read this, the ending of chapter 32 is the cliff drop. And what Megan did is put post-it notes on the next page so I wouldn't immediately look over to see <laughs> uh, I'm dying. As I was prepping the book for her to read, she sort of glances over and she's like, done the post-it notes thing in a while why are you putting why are you putting post-it notes in the book and i'm like eh, no reason and then i gave her the book and i'm like it's because of the cliffhanger and i'm evil <laughs> <laughs> so uh chapter 29 rule of blood emily could you read us the epigraph yes it says art form for colors beyond our ken for its grand songs we yearn we must attract creation spren these songs suffice till we learn from the listener song of revision, 279th stanza. Didn't we talk about art form and creation spread? We and thought that's you what you guessed correctly. I'm just amazing at this. Your Emily, I'm <laughs> well, going to tell you this on the podcast. Okay. You you have guessed some huge stuff in our last couple words of radio. Oh! And it's taken everything I have <laughs> to sit there quietly. 
but I'm sure listeners picked up on the subtle follow-up joke I slipped in after. So we'll just talk about it when we get there. I hate not knowing things. I hate it. Technically, you already know it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyway, let's let's talk about Sadius. What's what's he up to? Really fast. So there's the there's the heralds, and then the symbol underneath. It's not Dalinar's like colon symbol mm-hmm. is that sadius's symbol that is not sadius's symbol um this is the stylized double eye of the almighty and it has the 10 dots like represent you know the the number 10 um this is a symbol that's typically used when this person doesn't have a specific chapter header okay like we've seen it we've seen it a couple other places before but okay hey look at you look at you paying attention i'm just curious so, okay, so this chapter is um, all from, I think it's all from Sadius's point of view, yeah. at least the vast majority of it. And as I'm reading it, it is just like, it hits home over and over and over what a man's man this dude is and how he really is, I feel, the pinnacle of a lethe male society. Everything he talks about is how, like, much better. It's not, okay. You know, you talk to people and they just flat out say, like, I'm so much better than other people, blah, blah, blah. They think they're so much better than us just because they're They're so so much much better better than us. (laughs) He never says that explicitly, but, I mean, he kind of does, but he's just, yeah, like, he, he talks about... He talks about at one point, like, the Parshendi at one point um, early in the war had all laid down their weapons in surrender and how... That was so rude of them to take away from him the chance for glory to slaughter his enemies in a real fight. And so he killed them all. Personally. Personally. And they never did that again. Like, every every aspect, every facet of this man's thought patterns, actions, words, mm-hmm. just are, I am superior. Not Alethi is superior, but I personally am superior. Uh, and so he's having a... He's having a thrill moment. Mm-hmm. But uh, who's hanging out here Ugh. with him, helping out? Stupid Amaram is there. Being helpful. Uh, but Emily, are they supposed to be here? They are not supposed to be there. So as you know, the High Princes are on a rotating schedule as to who goes out when. And Sadius and Amaram have gone out to slaughter Parshendi, grab the gem heart, and... Amram's like, we should get out of here before the other high princes. We can see them coming. We need to get out of here so we can claim, oh, we didn't realize it wasn't supposed to be us. And Sadius just straight up says, no, we're not playing it that way. We're here. We're here. Yep. Ugh. Because they beat the other high princes because they're using draw- the children bridges. Whereas Sadius, even though he... Even though Dalinar bought all of his bridgemen, Sadius just turned right back around and bought a whole bunch more slaves because they're easy and fast and they don't need a lot of training. Because while Dalinar incredibly rescued everyone who was under Sadius's command, he didn't change the system. No. And this was something that you brought up at the end of the last book, that can't Sadius just get more slaves? Mm-hmm. Uh, the answer is yes. Yeah, this is again adding to... Your complaint from the last book that Dalinar did not take care of the problem. He diffused the situation, but he has done nothing to prevent further issues. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to give a little shout out. Um, 
So this is when Amaram shows up. Mm-hmm. His shard plate was bloodied purple up to the elbows, and he carried a glimmering gem heart in one gauntleted hand. He kicked aside a Parshendi corpse and joined Sadius, his own honor guard fanning out to join those of his high prince. Sadius spared a moment of annoyance for how efficiently they moved, particularly when compared to his own men. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the honor guard? I do remember. Do you remember what they did I do when things get really bad? Thank you very much. <laughs> so I like to think that they're like... We still owe this guy, like, we're, we've got to be the absolute best, because if we make another mistake, if we're cowardly one more time, he'll kill us the way, yeah. Well, it's funny, um, so, on the internet, there's these rules, like, how to be an efficient evil overlord, like, rules for, oh, you're talking about the evil overlord list from, like, 1998. Yes, yes, and I swear on there at one point, it talks about, like, don't just kill your minions like like i okay so i love the evil overlords <laughs> list and i used to obsessively read it as a child no reason um <laughs> well no okay actually the reason was i'm like i'm gonna make the best villain ever and i would whenever this is for uh double-edged crown this Got like it. fantasy series i've been writing since i was 11 and whenever i did a scene I'm like, okay, what's something evil he could do? I would check to make sure it didn't counteract anything <laughs> on the list. So one of the things is I will not kill my men for failures because it's hard to find men who are even, like, good at their jobs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I feel like Amaram has embodied this where he's put a lot of effort and time and I also feel like emotional blackmail into his honor guard because they've done things that I'm sure they aren't proud of. Do you think... They can hear that on the... I don't know if y'all can hear the jingle bells, but we're going to let the cats play with the jingle bell because, do you know what? It's Christmas tomorrow. It's not Christmas tomorrow. It's basically Christmas starting midnight tomorrow night. Okay, because tomorrow's really Halloween. It's Christmas! (laughs) Bring on the twinkle lights. Oh, and, and Sadius has Oathbringer. Ugh, it gives me... Bleh, I don't like it. Oathless. Before we get to that, because we're talking about Amram, we're talking about Sadius. Mm-hmm. Amram's given uh, Sadius a little speech, mm-hmm. and he ends it with, We should be seeking to bridge our differences with the king and Dalinar, not trying to agitate them further. Sadius snorted. Don't give me that noble talk. It works fine for others, but I know you for the ruthless bastard you really are. Oh, oh, that's so good because because Kaladin is like the everyday man when he mm-hmm. first runs into Amram and, and he thinks Amram is so honorable and so wonderful. And that is the persona that Amram puts forth. And for mm-hmm. Sadius to be like, mm, we know the truth. Like, ooh, what else is, has Amram been up to? And then Toril, because that's Sadius' first name, Amram says this. There is so much more to the world than your squabbles. You are right about me, of course. Take that admission with the understanding that to you, above all others, I can speak the truth. Alethkar needs to be strong for what is coming. What's coming? What? What's coming? Emily, what is coming? I think that Amram is part of Teravangians. He's in on the ultimate plan. Okay. Or he's part of the Ghostbloods. Do you remember who sent someone to kill Amram? No. He thinks the ghost bloods were trying to kill him. Okay. He thinks the ghost bloods are the ones who sent the shard here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The Yep, the dude in gold. Dude in gold. Got it. Oh yeah, so the other high princes show up and they're like, 
what are you doing here? This is like, this is, this, this is ours. Because the, the camp's kind of in turmoil a little bit because Dalinar is really changing up the status quo. We've talked about this and all the changes that have been made. And all of a sudden, Sadius, who was a third of the people who founded Alethkar, mm-hmm. is now openly defying, you know, edicts from the royal people. And he's just like, ugh. Like, the way he plays it off is so, so good. He just, because he has the gem heart. It doesn't, I don't think it said what kind, if it's like emerald or ruby or whatever. But he just tosses it to the dudes just like so casually. He's like, I was bored. I just thought I'd save you the trouble. And he's later talking to his wife about this. And she's like, that was so smart. Because that's going to undermine what Dalinar says that, oh, you were only doing this to be greedy because you wanted the gem heart for yourself. But if Sadius goes, honestly wins the gem heart and then gives it up, like that also kind of helps to further destabilize what's going on, Mm -hmm. which I hate what a good idea this was. I hate it. I hate how good it was. Uh, I'm reading one of Navani's journal epigraphs from earlier in the book. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, This is from Chapter 11, An Illusion of Perception. Understandably, we were focused on Sadius. His betrayal was still fresh, and I saw its signs every day as I passed empty barracks and grieving widows. We knew that Sadius would not simply rest upon his slaughters in pride. More was coming. Dun, dun, dun. Um, You all know how I feel about Sadius. I'm not going to go into more detail about how I feel about him, how much I hate him, and what a terrible person he is. But this chapter was so fascinating to read. Because I like to know the why behind why people do it. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like sometimes in, like, when you're wrapping up a book series or you're watching a television show and the writers need drama, they need something to happen, so they just have someone step in and do something that they never would do and it doesn't fit them as a character and how like that's one of the most ultimate frustrating experiences when it comes to viewing media and so the idea that we are getting like the innermost thoughts of Sadius and reasons why he's doing stuff Mm -hmm. oh it's so good he wanted a shard blade he has a shard blade but it's it's not all he thought he wants more Emily Mm -hmm. he's jealous of somebody something in this chapter what does he want uh, Fratham has something. It's just before the chapter break when Haratham approaches. Not chapter break. Uh, an army? He I'll, has an army? I'll help you out. Nope. Sadius has an army. He does have one of those. He has a Rishadium. Yeah. Oh, Sadius doesn't have one. <gasps> Is it like the Rishadium pick you? Is it like a unicorn where like they only pick you if you're worthy? <laughs> Maybe a little. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um... And now I'm gonna I'm gonna pick you out because before he gets distracted by the Rishadium, I want you to go to the beginning of that paragraph and read the first two sentences. And he's talking about Amaram here. Nope, Asadius and his vanguard. Oh, okay. As Sadius and his vanguard approached Hatham's army, he noticed a group of Parshendi on a nearby plateau watching. Those scouts of theirs were getting bold. Oh, there was a there was a thing that talked about how they would like watch. Uh huh. Navani's journal. Um, this is way back in chapter three. Soldiers reported being watched from afar by an unnerving number of Parshendi. 
Soldiers reported being watched from afar by an unnerving number of Parshendi scouts. Then we noticed a new pattern of their penetrating close to the camps in the night and then quickly retreating. So we've now we've seen the scouts watching. Mm-hmm. Keep an eye out for coming close to camp at night and then okay. and retreating. I will. But um, Sadius, after he ditches the gem heart, has somewhere to be. Where does he want to go today? He's going to go watch Adolin duel. Because just in case, he does not want to miss Adolin embarrassing himself. He wants to see this and be a part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting inside Sadius's head where he's talking about how much he hates being out of shard plate. He hates who he is out of shard plate. Um, once he turned heads as he walked, his power had filled a room. Everyone had looked to him and many had lusted when seeing him. Lusted for his power, for who he was. He was losing that. And so it talks about like, he's like, I'm, he feels like he's dying. Like the end is yeah. coming. And I feel like he is trying to not make a stand, but he is trying to make his mark on the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. He has already by doing the Aleth card, like, unification, but that's old news. And also, sorry to to cut in, Gavilar has all the glory for that and Dalinar. Mm. And Sadius is always an afterthought when we talk about the conquest because (laughs) Gavilar's king and Dalinar's still in charge. And I think Sadius is like, Mm. I helped. Yeah, because you had talked about that one point. I'm like, who else was there? And you're like, Sadius. I'm like, what? (laughs) But his wife shows up, and listen, as much as I dislike them, I love them as a power couple. I ship them as, like, the power couple. And they're talking about, you know, different tactics they can use and how they can further destabilize stuff. And, like, they are plotting actively Mm -hmm. all the time and thinking ahead. They're so smart. That's what scares me is how intelligent these two people are. And so this duel today wasn't supposed to be happening. (gasps) Oh, that's right! Yeah! And why has everyone been refusing dueling? Because Iali, is that how you say her name? Eli. Eli. Iali? Awesome. If we are ever involved in something official, Dragonsteel... Mm -hmm. We will have to say the names correctly, (laughs) but this is our podcast, and we get to say them however we want. You have the book on tape. Why can't we listen to that? And It's been years. I don't remember how they say it. It's probably Adeline, and I just don't like it. I just can't do it. Because... Because in book one, Kaladin says his name sounds like a light eyes name, which means the ah, ah, ah noise. So it should be Adolin. I don't like it. I like Adolin. Mm-hmm. I like the softer A noise. And it might be, I'm so sorry, it might be Sidious. But we're going to say apologize. We're I'm gonna... so sorry. No, I'm not. <laughs> Listen, if I'm ever involved in something official, then I'll use the official pronunciations, but this is our Good Fun Times podcast. There we go. And no one can tell us what to do. That's right. Listeners, (laughs) don't write in. If you want 
We can fist fight about it at Dragon Steel. <laughs> During the time of our podcast. Yeah. Line up. I will personally fight anyone who wants to fight. Uh, I fight dirty, though. <laughs> she's scrappy. <laughs> so she's been, I don't know, bright. I'm pretty sure she's been bribing. I'm sure she hasn't mm-hmm. just been going up and asking politely, please don't go fight Adolin, you know, Colin. Um, but. But it says, uh, she calls them idiots. They know what they're supposed to do, yet everyone, they want to be the one to bring down Adolin. And she's like, duelists are, what does she say? They're brash, hot-headed, and care too much about showing off and gaining renown. And I'm getting very Tom Paris from Voyager vibes off of these duelists. Um, so it's clear that when Adolin was hanging out with Yakimov a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. that Yakimov's plan worked. He gave Adolin advice for how to secure his next duel. And obviously, yes. here we go. Here we one go. more time. But here's the thing. So Sadius showed up to the duel ready to uh, make fun of Adolin messing up and embarrassing himself. But Sadius comes to a realization as he's watching oh, this duel. Oh, yeah. And it changes everything because it looks like Adolin is really struggling to win this one. Like, he is getting hits in and everything. But Sadius suddenly realizes Adolin is doing this on purpose. And hold on. Let me let me find something. Sorry, we're jumping through a bunch of the e- Eli and Sadius conversation. Mm-hmm. Listen, read the book, you guys! Read the book! <laughs> so, you... Okay, hold on. So, um... Adolin Klin was cleverer than Sadius had given him credit for, better at dueling as well. It took skill to win a bout, but it took true mastery to win while making it look the whole time that you were behind. And so Adolin looks makes it look like he barely wins. It's such a lucky last minute victory that the opponent is like, no, that's... No, that wasn't fair, you know, and he's talking about how that was a lucky hit and, and things like that, and the crowd is just like, wah! <laughs> and so, Eli and Sadius are going to change tactics mm-hmm. when it comes to dueling. Because duelists are brash, what is she's brash, hot-headed, care too much about showing off and gaining renown. Sadius thinks he can push Adolin Oh, oh, so this is my favorite part. Thinks he can push Adolin right up to the cliff and shove him off. And I'm like, oh, I have something in common with Sadius. I want someone to get pushed off a cliff. No! Because he can't push Dalinar's buttons. He has been trying. Mm-hmm. And we've seen in the first book where, like, Dalinar, Dalinar didn't even rise to the bait after Sadius pulled off the move at the tower. Yeah. But perhaps a younger Colin could be... Persuaded. Uh oh, keep an eye on that. Yeah, yeah, that makes makes me nervous because that's completely plausible. Like, I don't know what would get under Dalinar's skin. We haven't discovered it yet, but I feel like it would not be that hard to get Adolin hopping mad, you know? Uh I think a great way to get to Dalinar would be through his sons. <gasps> oh. Remember right, uh, right, when right, we right. were recording our first book? <laughs> That's my best Emily impersonation. I couldn't even tell it wasn't me. All right. That sounds dangerous, Eli said. That boy is a weapon, Toral. True, Sadius said, standing. But you are rarely cut by a weapon if you are the one holding its hilt. Mm -hmm. So, Sadius has unlocked a new quest. He's going to try and turn Adolin dark side. Something like that. 
Um, before we- I told you the story of Darth Noadon the Wise. <laughs> before we move on to the next chapter, um, just another another little like insight into Sadius. Are you okay? There's a cat right there. She's just. I thought it was maybe a spider, but it's just a little cat claw picking at my toe. Because it was so light. It was uh-huh. like, oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> no, nope, Livy's under the couch after she's going after my toes. Okay. Uh, this bout of fighting left Adolin with Stormlight streaming from one gauntlet to the booing of some of the Dark Eyes. Why were those people even allowed in? There were Light Eyes who were unable to attend because Elokar reserved seating for their inferiors. Like, it, it's not even being subtle at all. But here's the thing. To him, that's not racist or bad or cringy, you know, because yeah. that's the way that he has always lived his life. And that's what he truly believes. It's mm-hmm. not something that he has to, like, convince himself of. He's just like, this is the way the world is. I am so much better than these people. Yeah. And again, a mistaken surface view of racism is you're just judging people the way they look. And mm-hmm. that's what's bad is like the interpersonal connection between a light eyes looking at a dark eyes and just thinking less of them. But like the big problem is, and you've heard a lot of talk about this in our real world, is that there are huge social systems in place that reinforce this. So it's not about aesthetics. It's about like actual it's about political and social structures that put the different classes at advantage and disadvantage. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about looks. It's about how society functions. And he's the one who set up this society. This mm-hmm. is the rules he lives by. And if what I'm reading into is going to come to pass, this is the world he wants to set up and cement. Yeah. Because the the Light Eyes, Dark Eyes predates the unification of Alethkar. Right. Because uh, Shalon's from Yaakoved, and they have that same caste system. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that he has no interest in any social, mm-hmm. you know, any sort of social revolution. So, back in book one, when Kaladin was talking with Sigzel about other societies and what their class systems are like... Mm-hmm. Outside of the Voran religion-led countries, eye color isn't the distinction that people use. Right. So, Emily, what historically in Voranism led to this, do you think? I would think, because they talk about if you win the set of shard plates or whatever, your eye color will change. And I feel like that must have been where, like, if you do this, you're exalted into, like, some, maybe not worshipped being, but into some, like, you're catapulted many, many stations above everybody else, and it's your eye color. That's interesting. I love that. Mm-hmm. Can we stop talking about Sadius? I hate this yes, guy. Yes, done. Okay, turn the page. <laughs> Read the book, though. The conversation between him and Eli is very... Brandon, well done. Yeah. Like, ooh, so good. Because I love this also, too. We've got these two people plotting, and what they are talking about is so incredibly interesting. And then... In the background. It's the background. It's like they're not even focused on it. There just happens to be a high stakes duel going on. But like the plotting is more exciting than the dueling. It's very cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Nature blushing. Emily, can you read us the epigraph? Yes. 
Tis said it was warm in the land far away when void bringers entered our songs. We brought them home to stay, and then those homes became their own. It happened gradually, and years ahead, twill still be said, tis how it has to be. From the Listener Song of Histories, 12th stanza. Who does Yasna believe are the void bringers? She believes that the listeners are the void bringers. But but here we have listener history mm-hmm. uh, that says that the the void bringers entered at some period during listener history. Maybe it was the ability that makes you a void bringer. Okay. Oh, because like that. they talk about people who are void bringers have their shadows on the wrong side, or their shadow goes the wrong side, or uh, that's in. That might be in one of the little histories that Yasna was discussing. Okay. Because her shadow goes the wrong way at one mm-hmm. point in the beginning of this book. And then we meet Axes the Collector, whose shadow also goes the wrong way. In book one, Yasna's doing this research, and a lot of dark-eyed fairy tales uh, tell all these different things about what Voidbringers are and what they can do. But now we know that the Voidbringers come from outside of listener culture. Ooh. So, are you born a void bringer? Or, oh, okay, stop, 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 stop. I didn't say anything. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, very, very first episode mm-hmm. that we did in the book with mm-hmm. the prelude prologue, chapter one, mm-hmm. we, you talked about the different themes. One of them, I guessed, was rebirth. Mm-hmm. And I just have a feeling that actual, like, reincarnation is going to play in. Not mm-hmm. just you are born with this, like, innate ability. I feel like if it's a cycle that happens over and over again, you've got to learn how to break it. But if you haven't learned how to break it, you've got to go back and do it again. I don't know. I just keep feeling like reincarnation is going to be like a... I'm going to give you a sparkly ray <gasps> for that. Thank you. Look at my sister's a genius. <laughs> She's so smart. I can't predict stuff in Roswell because the writers change their mind all the time. <laughs> but if I could, I could do stuff like this on Roswell. I promise. I believe you. I think I still think I got Grant the geologist right away. He's a time lord. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh. Anyway, uh, Shalon is me on a family vacation. Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. Emily, she makes the whole caravan stop. Why? Where have you been, Megan? It has been 30 minutes. I found this cool dead bird on the beach. Come look at it. It was a cool dead bird. <laughs> All the bones were out. <laughs> Took pictures. For reference. I'm an artist. I draw dead stuff. <laughs> She would do this all the time. I'm not even kidding. She should have been one of those children on a leash. Uh, no, because children are on a leash because they get lost, and I always can find my way back to the group. So, yeah, she would just run away and be fine and just be like, what? What? You had no fear. It was amazing. I'm like someone <laughs> with a little bit more fear. Just a little bit. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, she gets distracted by color 
And to her, it's like this vivid, like, how could you miss it? Almost like a sunset has like erupted all over the plains. And she's like, oh my gosh, what is it? And everyone's like, what, what, what? And I thought that this was some sort of like herald or, you know, radiant thing. But it's just, I'm going to say it was just plants. Hey, it was divergent flora in an otherwise <laughs> uniform ecosystem. Okay. okay. <laughs> Quotation marks, just plants. <laughs> And so we have, like, a really nice Shalom getting to do what she loves some more. She mm-hmm. hasn't got the chance to really sit and study the sort of stuff that that she loves to draw. And, mm-hmm. and as, like, a thank you, she opens her sketchbook and draws out a quick prayer in the name of Shalash, Herald right. of Beauty, Shalom's namesake. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gaz... Gaz comes up while she's studying all these cool plants, yeah. which, again, shout out to the very cool flora description that Brandon does. But uh, Gaz comes over and he's asking her for something. Yeah, and he he's shy about it. Like, this is not the same Gaz that we knew from book one, but he's kind of like shuffling his feet and being all like, oh, I was just wondering. Um, And Shalon's like, oh, I." she's like, I know what you want. And and he wants a a sketch of him. Because she's done these sketches for a couple other people. Yeah, she says, like, this is, like, the sixth one or the seventh one. Um, and she draws him how she imagined the, the caravan, the people they saved, saw him that night. Because this is such a fascinating concept. Because she draws him as he is or how he was seen. But it's not, like, a memory that she's taken. She's she's showing him, we talked about showing the potential um, and, and when he sees it, he's like, this is really what I look like. And I don't think he has access to a full length mirror. No, but she talks about how with the right expression, the eye patch became noble. The scar face became wise. The uniform, a mark of pride. Yes. He does not wear an eye patch in the first book. Oh, he doesn't. <gasps> oh, what changed? I don't know. I don't know. But he wears an eye patch now. All right. Um, and and Gaz is really touched by this. Like he seems like a really changed person. And I and pattern kind of goes into this about how maybe not maybe okay, hold on. Stop. Hold on. Again, I wasn't saying anything. <laughs> She could faintly, okay, because he asks, is that what I really look like? She tells him yes. And then it says, she could faintly feel pattern as he vibrated softly nearby. A lie, but also a truth. I love this concept. Mm-hmm. I love this concept. And Brandon has, like, explained it so well. I feel like sometimes people get these sort of concepts and they try and be all, like, philosophical about it. and da, da, da. But, like, Brandon explains mm-hmm. it so clearly and I, I'm really hoping, I mean, I'm assuming he's setting this up for for it to become a bigger and bigger theme. Like, we're, we're starting small with, you know, safe things sort of a thing and, you know, and, and building our way up to, like, overarching mm-hmm. themes and, and that sort of thing. But, oh, I just, I love it. It's yeah. like, okay, technically, no, but technically, yes. Yeah. So, in this chapter, she draws... She does studies from life as she's doing like scholarly things of the plants. That's Realism. The picture. Yeah, that's the picture in the in the book this week. Mm-hmm. And then she takes something she's looking at and does a little interpretation of it. And jumping forward a little, 
and she starts to sketch some stuff just out of her imagination. Oh, just that's right. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, Megan, guess what happens? Guess what, what happens? Guess what, what happens? What happens? <laughs> she draws... Uh, she knows it's what she draws, a rocky shore near the ocean with distinctive cliffs rising behind. The perspective was distant on the rocky shore. Several shadowy figures helped one another out of the water. She swore one of them was Yalb. It's because she's so flighty. She couldn't have waited like... Whoa. Whoa, okay. <laughs> she couldn't have waited Listen. like 10 minutes at the rocky shore for everybody else to wash up with her. Okay. <laughs> this might be a dream is a wish your heart makes. <laughs> No, they're, they're, he's coming back. Yes, is clearly going to be with them. If this is true, if this is real, how did Shalon know to draw it? See, I don't know if that is part of her radiant thing. Like, okay, here's what I think. I know there's radiance. There's different levels of radiance. Like, we had the guy who makes shoes for orphans who had, like, very small... R.I.P. R.I.P. But very small, you know, abilities. But I almost feel like there's going to be different levels of radiant or whoever they they are where like maybe they have more than one ability maybe mm-hmm. they're like the special ones and i don't mean that in a derogatory way <laughs> but do we have enough bread making radiance or small home repair radiance <laughs> and so she's a light weaver but maybe that comes with telling the future mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. so is this a wish or is this a vision Okay, I want to say it's a vision because her next sketch... So you wish that it would be a vision. (laughs) Her next vision talks a sketch of a woman kneeling over a body, raising a hammer and chisel as if to slam it down into the person's face. The one beneath her was stiff, wooden, maybe even stone. That's got to be the lady from one of the interludes. The vandal. The vandal. So I'm thinking Shalon can see the future or can see events or or somehow i don't know we have another main character who has been given visions of the past oh that's right duh delinar <laughs> but he doesn't have his delinar he doesn't so how is he getting visions the, is he not a radiant the, i mean i'm sure there is other magic in the world <laughs> besides spread okay i am confident <laughs> I mean, come on. We've talked about the old magic. So mm-hmm. there there may be more than Spren at play here. Maybe Shalon caught something. Yes, she's caught... Visionitis. Herald disease. <laughs> the, the... The... Ooh, something else was listening in on her prayer to Shalash. Ooh, scary. I don't like it. <laughs> it's Halloween tomorrow. Let's not do it's this. It's Halloween, Halloween, everybody. <laughs> so, Tin... And could you stop touching the microphone when I'm sure trying to it was talk? I'd to get you could cross stitch. Um, so Tin and Shalon hanging out, girls talk. Mm-hmm. And she, Tin, I love her. I don't love her as much as Yasna, mm-hmm. but I like her as as um, Shalon's mentor. I feel like yasna could take shalon so far i still feel there's they could go further mm-hmm. because when she comes back she's got to talk about right you know soul casting sure okay listen she is that's just what's gonna happen okay <laughs> it, but listen <laughs> yes but what i'm gonna tell you guys about something that really disappointed me when i read lord of the rings at age 11 okay 
is that Gandalf didn't care about people the same way he did when he came back as Gandalf the White. Oh. And it made me really sad because Gandalf the Grey was like a party awesome. guy and he was so friendly. And then Gandalf the White was like a scripture quoting dude. <laughs> seemed really boring to be around. Ian McKellen did a really good job in the movies. But I remember as a child being very disappointed that this exalted Gandalf was like boring. <laughs> Stick in the mud. Yeah. So if your wish comes true... And the dead come back to life. She never died. You have no proof of that. <laughs> On the other hand, we definitely saw her get super stabbed. We saw a body get stabbed. That's the... We saw the body! <laughs> it was a transfigured body to look like Yasna. Because Yasna's smart and can think on her feet. Okay, but she wasn't on her feet. She was lying on the ground. <laughs> I am a terrible person. <laughs> oh, um, sidebar. Okay, but then I want to talk about Tim. Okay, speaking of soul casters, because Yasna is one, we have not met any, and they seem to be very important in, like, the King's Army. Hey, Sparkle Rayfo. When? Sparkle Rayfo. When? Rayfo. <laughs> Later. I just want to meet. You I feel will. like they're... They might be like the mean girls of the world. <laughs> they think they're so much better than us just because they're so much better than us. <laughs> That's what I think. Sparkly <laughs> firework Rafo. Um, l- listen, we are going to meet soul casters. I told you this in the last book, okay. and it's going to take a while. So give me a second eye. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tin. Tin is making assumptions about Shalon. Mm-hmm. That we already know are incorrect. Yes. And I've met people like this who maybe because of the way that I personally look and the fact that I have the voice of a chipmunk, (laughs) uh, they make assumptions about who I am and my personality. And I was talking to a friend and we were out uh, at dinner and they said, I feel like you've really grown this year. And internally, I'm like, no, I've just stopped pretending to be a sparkle mouse in front of you <laughs> like <laughs> i have not changed i'm finally trusting you enough to be grouchy in front of you and that's the <laughs> difference but we are going to have to figure out a way to give you a taste of realism shallan oh does it come in the form of a tonic these days no tin says it comes in the form of a punch to the face it leaves nice girls crying assuming they're lucky enough to survive I think you'll find, Shalon said, that my life hasn't been one of nonstop blossoms and cake. Oh, I'm sure you think that, Tin says. Everyone does, Shalon. It's like the lesson. She murdered her father, her life as a kid. Yeah. And Tin's just like, I think Tin is underestimating Shalon. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a strength that Shalon has mm-hmm. is to, okay, I think with her dissociation and her mm-hmm. like shoving everything away yeah she does definitely come across as this like sparkly eyed you know unaware of the world sort of a thing but like Mm -hmm. yeah i love that i don't know that she thinks she's using it as a weapon but i love that she's keeping some of this stuff in Mm -hmm. reserve because this isn't the point where you sit down and be like well here's all my trauma and my backstory like that's just not the place and so i'm really looking forward to the time that tin just goes 
Oh, I, yeah, I messed up, you know. <laughs> Yasna also deeply underestimated the sort of person Shalon oh, was. she totally did. Because when Shalon finally admits to Yasna, this is when I stole the soul caster, it took Yasna completely by surprise. Mm-hmm. So your your theory, your hope is that Shalon will also take Tin hugely by surprise at some point. Yeah, and I I know we've talked about I've talked about mostly Shalon being like I don't know what I wanted from her, and and this isn't the way I would have done it, and I don't know what I want. I think Brandon is setting up some really cool reveals, and I'm very excited for when that comes through because uh we we as we go through talking about you know what their plan is and and it's so funny because it's so funny that we're talking about shallan has been through this and she's been through this and she's been through all these horrible things that nobody else knows about and then tin's like yeah we're gonna have to get you to take your safe hand like uncovered and Shalon is just like horrified like right? no <laughs> that's too far and tin's just like you what did, what does she say hold on you draw pictures of criminals to turn them into heroes. You dance around in flower patches with a sketch pad, and you blush at the mere hint of something racy. However bad you think you've had it, brace yourself. It's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. And I honestly don't think you'll be able to handle it. Maybe Tin can see the future, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, and so... um Tin checks in with her one last time, like, hey, we're getting to the Shattered Plane. We're, like, a day away. Like, are you prepared to, like, go through with your plan? And Shalon reveals a few bits about it. And I think she kind of lets Tin come to her own her own conclusions about it. But she's like, Adolin Kalin is supposed to, is supposed to marry this woman from Yakovet or whatever. And... Tin says, now that's curious, and the woman isn't going to arrive? Not when he expects, Shalon said. And you look like her? You could say that. Like, oh, I love it so much. But guess what else? We find out that um, Adolin has been engaged before. Who was he engaged to? Is she still there, or is she back at the Alethi, like, center, capital, whatever? Like, I would love to run into her and see what she thinks about it and if she broke it off. I'm assuming she broke it off like the way that Adolin's, you know. Yeah. Where does I believe goes. you? Where does it say? Uh, oh, he's been almost engaged a dozen times. I think he has been engaged before. So yeah, that Adolin's a Adolin's a flirt and she says something here, it will be tough to keep his attention. Mm-hmm. Really, Shalon asked, feeling a spike of real concern. Mm-hmm. She's never flirted with like well, she's she's kind of flirted, but she's never. Yeah, I think Capsule was paid to flirt with her, <laughs> so that might not have been uh, as good as she thought. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, so at this point, if they make it to the Shattered Plains from here, Tin thinks Shalon is lying about being Adolin's betrothed. Mm-hmm. So how's that going to play out? Predict for me. Tell the future, <laughs> witch. <laughs> that. Shalon's going to get so much further than Tin ever thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm, hold on. Let me let me think this through. That Shalon's going to start promising outrageous stuff and Tin is going to start getting 
worried because this girl has never conned anyone before. And Tin has kind of thrown her lot in with her. And I think Tin might make some problems, not like maliciously, but kind of on accident. Unintentionally. Unintentionally. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Why are you this way? (laughs) Just didn't get enough attention as a kid. Um, and so I think that Shalon is going to have a plan and that Tin is going to mess it up somehow. Not like I said, not maliciously, not I'm jealous, not any of that, but just, she's like, I've done this before. I know how to do this better. and kind of go behind Mm -hmm. Shalon's back and like mess something up. Why is Tin going to the Shattered Plains? They said it before. Hold on. There's something that they need to get or some. Body. She's had a job that fell through before, and her last crew abandoned oh, her. I think they were the one. That's right. We talked about this. Yeah. I think they were the ones that attacked Yasna's ship, and that's why they haven't checked back in because Shalon killed all of them. Maybe they swam. We saw Yelp get out of the water <laughs> in Shalon's weird parallel vision. Maybe. All right. I think Tin's working for the Ghost Bloods. Okay. That's my. That's my thing. So. Yep. Shalon is like, if the betrothal ends, fine. I've got more important concerns with Yurithiru and the Voidbringers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, now, back to Kaladin. <laughs> the thing is, it's Kaladin, but who's at the front of the... Oh, the, the symbol is pattern symbol. And this is how you know, I feel, that you know that stuff's going to start getting good is because usually each chapter is one POV, but we start... We start, uh, like, flipping back and forth and jumping back and forth between Kaladin, Shalon, Dalinar, Adolin, like, all of these people. And so that's when you know, like, stuff's about to happen. Uh, so Kaladin's having a good day. Yeah. You know, do you want me to read the... Oh, yeah, please read the epigraph. <laughs> Smoke form for hiding and slipping tween men, a form of power like surges of spren. Do we dare to wear this form again? It spies. Crafted of gods, this form we fear. By unmade touch, it's cursed to bear. Formed from shadow, and death is near. It lies. From the Listener Song of Secrets 51st stanza. I need you to write something down in your notebook. Okay. Unmade. Unmade. It's capitalized. Okay. Flag that. Okay. Because I didn't flag it the first time <laughs> I went through. And later when someone mentions the unmade, I'm like, what the heck is an unmade? Yeah. I don't want you to say that Brandon doesn't tell me about the unmade. I'm telling you, it's a thing. Okay. Listen, not that I'm comparing to other stories or trying to draw on, but do you remember in the Belgariad series? Like, that is, to unmake something is, like, the ultimate sin. It would explode you. Yeah. And this, like, we, we're told that, because these people have, like, very strong... Magical Magic. powers. The will and the word. The will and the word. I mean, you can make, you know, crystal birds come to life and fly. You can lift rocks. You can you can do, you can summon storms. Like, you can do so many cool things with this magic. But, like, the number one thing they just, like, drill into this kid's head is, like, if you ever try and unmake something and make something, like, either never have existed or whatever, like, I'm sure you can blow like, stuff yeah, up. Yeah, you can blow stuff up. You can destroy it. You can change it into something else. You can crush it. But you can't 
make even a molecule have never existed Mm -hmm. because it will like backlash. And so they get out of a really intense jam because one of their enemies is so desperate to keep something from them that he's like, be not. And then he's like, I didn't mean it. And then (laughs) he's not. (laughs) Anyways. Okay. I had a question and I, I should have written it down, but I'm wondering Okay, maybe this is way too far out there. Can Seth, I'm going to say shapeshift, but I mean like like the way the listeners do. Because he's able to like slip in and out of places, or is that just his like spren powers? Uh, have we seen Zeth with a spren? No, they talk about that in this in this book. So we'll, we'll talk about that too, but I just... Like, it talks about smoke form for hiding and slipping. Like, mm-hmm. Seth is, like, on a whole nother level. Like, he's he's all about presentation, mm-hmm. you know? And so I don't, I don't know. He has been, and I know, we're, we're starting to jump ahead now because we're so excited <laughs> to talk about it. But um, I think Kaladin mentions that he's just so much more advanced than me mm-hmm. because Zeth had mastery of the surges before he killed Gavilar. Mm. And that was six years ago. So he's, and he's been practicing since. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hanging out with my friend and looking at her artwork from this year. And I'm like, this is astounding. This is so gorgeous. This is so incredible. And she showed me her stuff from just like two years before. And it was still like really good. Mm -hmm. But just seeing the progress she made in two years was honestly more inspiring (laughs) to get me to get my sketchbook out than it has been to like look at... All the art mastery that I try to study. And did you know you have to practice to get good at things? Is that what you have to do? It's not fair. (laughs) Why can't I just be? It's like, no, no practice. Only mastery. (laughs) All right. So, um, so, uh, Kaladin's leading a troop of men up from the chasms. And he's asked Bridge Four to do what when they get there? Oh, that's so adorable. His men are there cheering as the people come up from the chasm. Because we talked about this is a very symbolic thing for these men. Of like, you go down into the chasm and you come back out kind of a new person. Like, like you are part of Bridge Four now or whatever. You know, did they mm-hmm. keep the name Bridge Four? Like, are they all, like, bridge for the bridge for soldiers, or is that kind of, like, uh, an unofficial... It's sort of, like, bridge four is the main club, but somebody else mentions, oh, I'm going to have to do this for the rest of bridge 17, because the, mm-hmm. the group he's brought out is he's picked one or two people from all of the other bridge crews. Mm. So... It's, it's really... I just... Listen, I... I just love when people support other people. Like, what can you... What, what, what is there to lose? But to make other people feel good and just pass it along. And to know what is so tragic about this. What? Sadius has completely restaffed his bridge cards. Oh, that's right. Why did you have to remind me? Because life is terrible. Life is pain, Highness. <laughs> Hi, BB. Oh, he feels like a bunny. He's so soft. <laughs> we find out. Okay, so here's my here's my question. Rock has been chase, chasing away an ardent with a sketchbook. Is this Chris? 
or Naj? Yes! Okay, I thought so. Emily, Emily, oh, I'm so excited you saw that. Emily, I'm so... Oh, you're you're shielding... I thought you wanted me to say my thing quieter. No. Okay. Well, I did, but you can do whatever you want. Okay. I am jumping back to the design of the tattoos yes. from earlier. Mm-hmm. And here's the note from Nas. I had to spend hours watching Bridgman to sketch their stupid forehead glyphs so you could have them, my friend. <laughs> that is who Rock chased away. Good job. You read and found out. Thank you. <laughs> Um, something I want to do is we have a little, little world building moment here. Mm -hmm. The sun hadn't quite set, but in the darkening sky, stars had begun to appear around town's scar. Oh, that's right. The tear hung just above the horizon, a star much brighter than the others, named for the single tear that Rhea was said to have shed. Some of the stars moved. Star spread, nothing to be surprised by, but something felt odd about the evening. Mm -hmm. He breathes in deeply. Was the air stale? Oh, no. Listeners, I know what I said earlier, but write in. Um, <laughs> can you see Town Scar in the daytime? Isn't it a swath of red stars? Yeah. But, but that's all I know. I mean, we can see, you can see the sun during the day. If Town really? Scar. Really? Would you <laughs> shut your mouth? <laughs> what I mean is, it's close enough. Like, if stars are close enough, they're visible during daytime. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering if the stars that make up town scar are close enough to be visible even during mm. the day. I don't know. Were I in charge of something official for Stormlight, I would put them in the sky all the time. Because, you know, I just love I just love having a just a big moon. <laughs> just having moons in the sky. <laughs> I'm working on a, a project in development, and we're doing art for it. And I was like, oh, yeah, and I just want the moon to be nice and, like, really close so we can see it really well during the day. And someone's like, could there be two moons? And I'm like, yes, two moons! And so we have two moons for no reason other than rule of cool. <laughs> I like that. Um, Shalon is trying to learn. Well, hey, what? Uh, what? Why did we just jump the rest of what Kaladin does? Because they chased the Arden away and they have dinner. Oh, sorry. I was looking at the... You jumped all the way forward. Uh, I have some things to point out. Pardon. I apologize. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Pitt is one of the men who uh, has been training. Mm-hmm. Um, we also talk about how... No more, um, someone had hung a few distinctive suits of armor up on the barrack walls. They were carapace helms and breastplates attached to the leathers of common bridgemen. Those had now been replaced with fine steel caps and breastplates. Kaladin wondered who had hung the old suits up. He hadn't even known that some of the men had fetched them. They were the extra suits that Leighton had crafted for the men and stashed down in the chasms before being freed. My question is, how does Shen feel about this probably terribly okay yes so i i'm pretty sure this was in the the uh saddiest chapter earlier but he talked about you have to be careful when you're getting on a horse when you're wearing plate because at one point he'd snapped through a stirrup mm-hmm. because with the weight and and he landed on his backside and all of a sudden i'm like who died because of that like not elokar not elokar no i mean like would he blame the 
Oh, the saddle makers. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I just wondered that because I know Layton is the one that uh, something had failed in the blacksmithery or something, and he's like, "This is why my master kept extra people around yeah. to blame them." And I wonder if that's connected in any way, shape, or form. Anyway, Pitt from Bridge Seventeen wants to apologize because he. It's like back when we were Bridgman, I hated Bridge 4. And then Kaladin says, it wasn't your fault. You can blame Sadius. And then Pitt says, it turns out men can be reforged. I love it. Um, so Kaladin's like, oh my gosh, we did it. Teft is marvelous. I'm just going to put up a little, a little tiny flag. Where was Teft anyway? He'd gone on patrol with them and now he'd vanished. Mm. Oh no, is he kidnapped? No. Okay. What happened to him? Rafa. Uh-huh. Anyway, sorry. Now we can jump to Talon <laughs> and Shal- Tin. What? Tin and Shalon. Uh, so they're practicing. She's practicing her, her like sleight of hand. And I just, again, I'm loving the absolute opposites of this proper young lady who is horrified at the the idea of her you know safe hand slipping out to like learning street tricks you know uh-huh. and swearing like a sailor <laughs> what do you think dry nets i means? don't even know bleep me out okay <laughs> i think <laughs> that Yep, yep, that's what I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, what's what's Tin doing to pass the time as Shalon is practicing? She's using the fire moss stuff, mm-hmm. the 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 drugs, drugs. <laughs> no, no, thank you, drugs. <laughs> um, she says, "I also feel like we should figure out some way to use that drawing talent of yours." Prediction: I think Tin's going to try and get Shalon into counterfeiting. Ooh. Uh, certificates or something. When they're talking about safe hands, Tin is like, that hand looks exactly like your other That's hand. That's the one I was trying to find, yeah. And Shalon's like, well, a lot of women have breasts that aren't much more pronounced than male ones. That doesn't make it right for them to go out wearing no shirt. And then Tin says, actually. <laughs> actually. We saw that yeah, we in the Reishi Isles. And Shalon's just like, "That's that's not true. You're just saying that. Like, I, again... She has so far to go. I am so excited to see Shalon's journey mm-hmm. into who she will become. And the idea of just like the scandalous thing that she's never heard of just like makes her immediately just blush. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Tin has so much to teach her. Okay. <laughs> um, I love that she feels guilty about lying to Tin, even <laughs> though like she couldn't help feel guilty about lying even to a professed con woman. <laughs> but we get more insight into their relationship. And the way that Tin, what was, your eyes got really big. Uh, I forgot that Hananvanimar, uh-huh. that Shalon gets the news of King Havanimar. Yeah, 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 that's what oh I was gosh. talking about. You guys, I'm going to get it. Hannah Vanar. Okay, Hanavanar. There we go. King Hanavanar. Good job. <laughs> Listeners, don't write in. I don't want to know. <laughs> um, but this scene is really interesting where she, she learns this because Shalon can tell that uh, 
Tin has something she wants to say. Like, Shalon is learning how to read people. She's not taking people at face value anymore. I love that. Good job. Yay, Shalon. And so she knows Tin has something to say, but she's like, if I sound too eager, like, she's learning how to play people as well. Awesome. But, yeah, this is, um, and Tin's finally like, like, do you know? And Shalon's like, I don't know a lot of things. I don't know how to speak this language. I don't know how to build a wagon, you know, and I don't know how to prevent you from being annoying, you know, that sort of mm -hmm. thing. And this is when Tin tells her, oh, your king is dead. Not just that, Megan. What else is going on? Six high princes are dead, yeah, too. Yeah, and the prince. Yep, the prince is dead. Like, there is going to be, there is a huge vacuum of power that has just opened up. And my prediction is Yakubet is going to be scrambling to fill that themselves or or the Alethi being bored with the honor pact that they had with the uh, their the Parshendi are going to split some of their forces and go try and conquer Yakubet. Yeah. And this this plays into Seth's new master, mm -hmm. Teravangian, destabilizing the political power of the That is of the such world. a huge thing. What does he want? Chaos? Is he a chaos gremlin? <sighs> he didn't even say Rafo. Rafo. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> is Teravangian a chaos gremlin? <laughs> Rafo. <laughs> so off topic. This is just because Emily was laughing like that. Did you know teeth aren't bones? I've been lied to my whole life. What are they? They're enamel coated dent dental something but they're not calcium they're not like bones they're made of enamel henceforth and forever all skeletons with teeth in them i now consider inaccurate you're making fun of the way i laugh no i was just looking at your teeth and then i remembered something i found out that shook me to my core which is teeth are bones <laughs> That's our butt. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Anyway, um now Tin found oh. out some sorry, Tin found the stuff out through her span read and she's like, Oh, I'm gonna get another span read message tonight mm -hmm. with more information. And so Shalon's hoping she can find out about about her brothers then. So, um And now there's a high storm coming. Well, yes, now we're on to chapter thirty two. Can you read me that? This friend betrayed us, it's often felt. Our minds are too close to their realm that gives us our forms, but more is then demanded by the smartest spren. We can't provide what the humans lend, though broth are we, their meat is men. From the listener song of spren, ninth stanza. Okay. Let's go into this a little bit. Okay. There is already so much going on in this story. Uh-huh. Already so much. Uh-huh. And... I feel like this is a huge plot point because do you remember earlier pattern is like, you're going to kill me eventually. Like that's just what's going to happen. And Shalom's like, I will not kill you. Kaladin is having a conversation. Oh no, 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 no. I want to talk about this epigraph. Oh, well I'm, you jumped into this story and I was like, yeah, let's get into this epigraph. And no, I was stop. all a preamble to talking about Kaladin. No, I'm going to bring it back yeah, to okay. the, the thing. Would you let me talk on my podcast that yeah. I am a part of? So we hear the pattern is going to, thinks that Shalon will end up killing him because that's just what happens. 
whoever Kaladin is talking to, the Stormfather, is talking to during his dream, uh, the Stormfather says, like, you will kill her, you will murder my child, and leave her corpse to wicked men. So there's all this stuff about, like, you know, these people are going to murder the Spren, and we've, we've known the whole time, Spren are... They've Bugs. seemed very... <laughs> That's not what they are. I'm trying to talk about the stanza that you wanted to talk about, and you are just derailing the whole conversation. Okay. They come across as very, like, delicate almost. I mean, you have, like, creation sprint, and you have wind sprint, and you have rot sprint. I mean, you have, like, all these, like, love sprint, you know, that sort of thing. But the idea that... What? <laughs> What's a love spread? Uh, the little the oh, passion little spread. Passion snowflakes. Spread, okay, yes. I was like, <laughs> yeah, we got a love spread, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Can you feel the love spread night? Um, the spread the passion brings. <laughs> I was helping. That you were. You were. <laughs> but in this... A king <laughs> You are so mean. Can I talk now? Yep. Okay. In this... Is harmony. <laughs> oh, cut that. They That's a spoiler. <laughs> they talk about, though broth are we, their meat is men. Are there more dangerous spread out there that maybe we shouldn't be seeking out to learn about and shouldn't be using to um, transform the listeners themselves? Because this, I don't know. I just, I got a danger vibe from this. That's, that's good. Okay. Good danger. But anyway, um, listener minds are very close to the realm of spren and we already know that listeners can see spren even before they manifest mm -hmm. to emotions right um so it's like the the listeners can constantly see spren existing even before they come into our thing so it says the listener minds are too close to their realm what's the realm of the spren uh shadesmar yeah Okay, this can might, I, this I, might, it has a question about a spread. Okay. And this might derail us. I apologize. How do you catch a spread? How do you solve a problem <laughs> like Maria? Uh, like, the listeners don't know anymore. Oh. They've learned how to trap them in gemstones, but I, they were trying to attract creation spread by doing art. That's right. But um, I don't know that the listeners still know how to trap specific and attract specific spread. Okay. So, because... We can't provide what the humans lend. So a combination of a spren and a listener creates a new form. Mm -hmm. Though broth are we. And we've seen that the combination of a spren and a human creates a radiant. Yes. Which is much more powerful than any of the listener forms that we've seen. Mm -hmm. And um, more is demanded by the smartest spren. Mm -hmm. We've seen that both pattern and sill act quite differently from other spren that we know. Yes. And so by putting some dots... And then sill also said that if Kaladin dies, she she'll would... Go she'll go stupid. Um, 
So contact and partnership with a human grants a spren more awareness and intelligence, it appears, than a bond with a listener. Mm -hmm. Because um, though we see Eshonai in her different forms, Mm -hmm. the listeners do not speak to the spren that they have bonded with once they have bonded. Okay. I think that was helpful. And it was. Super spoilery. And so um, this vision that Kaladin is having is so very intense. Um, where he's seen, like, Kaladin is, like, sailing through. Oh, in his dream, Kaladin was the storm. He claimed the land, surging across it, a cleansing fury. All washed before him, broke before him. In his darkness, the land was reborn. Yes. He's dreamed this dream before. Do you remember in book one? When he was, he was hung outside during the. No. No. After he was hung outside. Oh. He dreamed being the storm and he saw Zeth. Oh, that's right. And you were so excited because you're like, oh my gosh, Zeth is back. I want him back. Um, and I'm- now he's able to speak and he's he's called son of honor. <laughs> I want to flag something you okay. mentioned earlier, but you will kill her. You will murder my child and leave her corpse to wicked men. What's that? Like, I'm almost afraid that someone will get their hands on her to, like, do mad scientist experiments on it, you know? Or, or unless he's being a little less literal and, like, he will, Kaladin will kill, like, I when I say her spirit, I just mean, like, her will or whatever. And, and she will have to, like, survive by relying on less honorable people. Kaladin doesn't want that to happen. He asks how he can prevent it and how he can protect her. And the guy's just like, you're a human. You will be a traitor. And Kaladin says, no, I won't. And the man says, you will change. Men change all men. And so I don't like this idea of, okay, uh, fate or destiny. Yeah. I hate, I don't hate this is one of the inescapable versus consequence of action. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The idea that we talked about this with like time travel before mm-hmm. where there's the idea that like there's two, there's many different theories of time travel, but there's one that you go back and whatever you do will not change what happens because you've already gone back and done that because that's why the future is the way it is because you've already, you know, that sort of like yeah. circular logic where I prefer back to the future stuff where like you change something and it really changes something. Mm-hmm. And see me, I think it's vanity that I, a single person could go back in time and mess up something so badly that it like branches the future, but mm-hmm. you know, depends. Yeah. And so I, I feel like Kaladin is getting like herded into this. You must do this. And I feel that if someone tells Kaladin to do something, he's going to either flat out refuse or do it, but in such a way that it, the end result is not what the person originally intended. And so it feels like this Stormfather is telling him, like, you are stuck doing this. Like, there's no way you can avoid this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that a bruise? I hope not. Nope, it's just... Oh, no, I have... Um... A triangle, sorry, a square on my forehead gets a lot of sun color and then it's very pale. No, there's this thing right here. Well, it doesn't feel like a bruise. Okay, because you rubbed it off. It's not a bruise. 
I don't know what it was. <laughs> I was worried about right. you. So this this dream ends with something rose before Kaladin, who seeing himself as the storm. Mm-hmm. A second storm, one of red lightning, so enormous as to make the continent, the world itself, into nothing by comparison. Everything fell into its shadow. I am sorry, the storm father said. He comes. He comes for you, little traitor. Calls him a little traitor. Because Kaladin also asks if the Stormfather is the one who, like, forbid Syl to come to Kaladin. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Are you the one who keeps the Spren back? And so I don't know if this Stormfather is trying to protect the Spren, which I can see why they'd want to do that. But at the same time, like, aren't you also stifling their potential? Uh, I'd like you to flag this red storm. Okay. Because it is but a thousand days and the... Ever storm comes. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, <clears throat> but, uh, Kaladin has fallen asleep <laughs> on, on the guard job. duty and Adolin sort of needles him about it. Yeah. So he wakes up and Adolin and Renarin are talking about... The Parshendi messenger. The woman shardbearer. And so remember, Eshenai is like, don't kill the one who comes. They have set up the meeting date. That okay. happened off screen, but they've set up okay. um, that we're going to talk with Eshenai, which mm-hmm. I think is good and can't come soon enough. Mm-hmm. But Kaladin is like, okay, listen, this dream is like a little more than just that. Mm-hmm. And everyone is freaking out about, sorry, I say everyone, Sil. And Pattern. Pattern is nowhere near the palace. Yeah. But Seth is coming with such force that it's affecting even Pattern way out on the Way out on the Shattered Plains, yeah. Um, And Kaladin also can, like, in the dream, you know, he's been warned, he comes. And I love this. Oh, I love the setup that has happened in order to make this scene the most terrifying that it could be. Where, like, Kaladin goes out, goes to the balcony, he's looking all around, you know, he's outside in the storm and people are yelling at him saying, are you crazy? And we, like you said, we flash over to Shalon and Pattern's going, bad, bad, this is bad, this is really, really bad. And Syl is freaking out. I'm gonna say a thing, and it's pretty spoilery, so I'm gonna be vague. But as I'm reading this again, I don't think the one who hates is Zeth. Okay. That's it. Well, the talk's about... I, I, Zeth is coming, too. Okay, he's coming. I'm saying I, there's more at play than Zeth in this scene. Okay. I'm just, I'm just letting you know there is... Zeth is really bad and immediate problem, <laughs> but there's something else coming, too. And that's why everyone's freaking out all over the land. Mm-hmm. But And so Kaladin takes all of this and is like, great, we're going to get out of here. And so I think the setup... For this scene, I think the scene that they had at the training ground is instrumental in what happens here and how Kaladin reacts to the danger. Because you remember when he's fighting Vasher, (laughs) you know, and he does everything he possibly can to, to the point that he's dying, you know, to save the person that he's supposed to be doing. That's what happens in this scene. It was all foreshadowing. <laughs> yes. So good, Brandon. So, so well done. Syl is freaking out. Syl's um, appearance has changed. Her dress is longer. Mm-hmm. When have we seen her significantly change appearance before? When Kaladin said the words, she became 
yeah. person size. So it's before he says the words, it's when she's watching Dalinar's army fall. Oh, okay. So, a child witnessing a brutal yeah, murder yeah. that steals her innocence. Anyway, Kaladin gets everybody up and he's like, we're leaving. We're all leaving. And Elokar's like, why? <laughs> And uh, Kaladin is, you know, Dalinar is like, why as well? Mm -hmm. Um, And Adolin is like, this is ridiculous. This is the (laughs) safest place. Do you want us to leave? And Dalinar is is like, why? Kaladin says, instinct. It's not safe here. And Dalinar says, okay. He's in charge of the guard and we listen to him. Oh, I loved that. Because, you know, if it had been Sadius, this would have been a disaster. So they send Beld and Hobber out in advance. Moash and Relinor are the rear guard. And we studied the guards scrambled into action without question. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking again of Amaranth's honor guard. honor guard. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Only I feel like this time they're like, the, I feel like the honor guard for Amaranth is doing it out of fear, especially like you said, that if they're worried about messing up again. Mm-hmm. And I feel like at this point, um, these men are just like absolute, like they have absolute loyalty, you know. The Bridgman brothers, Mart and Eth, fell in flanking the king, Moash holding the doorway. He gripped his spear nervously, pointing it in one direction, then the other. Uh, anyway, and as everybody's finally following, then Dalinar pulls Kaladin aside and yeah. says, I will be curious to hear what prompted this. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so glad Kaladin was proved right. Could you imagine how embarrassing if he like yeah. says a big declaration and everyone's like, no, no. Um, because he's like, he doesn't know how to explain this to Dalinar. He's like, my, like, he doesn't say this to Dalinar, but he's like, my friend was having a fit. How do I explain? I listen to a wind spread. Like, only crazy people talk to wind spread. They go and they go and they go, and the hallway's all dark because all the stormlight is gone. Oh my gosh. Ooh, and there's bodies on the floor already. Like, Belled. this is he a bells and Hobber. Listen, he, less than a page, less than a page back, he sent Beld and Hobber ahead, and Beld's body, like, already down, mm-hmm. dead. There's, there's a couple bodies, actually. Yeah. And. He's here, Syl whispered. A solemn figure stepped out of the side corridor, holding a long silvery blade that cut a trail in the stone floor. So, like, he's just, like, dragging, dragging it behind it. him. And it's not sparking. Because, you know, it's, it's a shard blade. It's just quietly passing through yeah. the floor. And Stormlight streamed from the assassin's body, and Kaladin realizes he's a surge binder. Like, all of a sudden... I mean, this guy would be dangerous on his own, but all of a sudden, Kaladin realizes, oh, this dude. Oh, no. <laughs> with that, Adolin with me, Dalinar shouted, Renarin, protect the king. Take him back the way we came. With that, Dalinar, the Blackthorn, seized a spear from one of Kaladin's men and charged the assassin. Oh, I was so scared through this whole thing because as they're fighting and fighting and fighting, and it's amazing, Brandon, this scene is just... Oh, so good. He's talking about, like, you're not going to get another one. Like, they're all there to, like, protect Elokar. And the assassin reveals, like, I'm not here for the king. Wait, wait. Sorry. You're so sorry. I just want to get to the good part. I want to just, like, read this whole thing along. I won't. I won't. But. Father, Renarin cried. Moash grabbed him by the shoulder and hauled him back. I can fight. Yes, he can, but they don't go. Dalinar bellowed, "Protect the king!" Yes. Ugh. Ugh. 
Oh, and um, Dalinar calls out, sorry, Dalinar calls out the attack formation they're going to use. Adolin's got his shard blade out. Okay, yeah, here we go. How could he be a surge binder? What spren had chosen, chosen this man? man? Yeah, so I don't know if this was something that, like, Zeth did willingly. Because it seems like, I mean, I don't, mm, mm, I have theories about this, but, like, I'm going to give you a dot. It's not going to be super helpful, but at the prologue from Yasna's point of view, when she overheard the two men whispering to each other, mm-hmm. he says, that creature carries my Lord's own blade. So does carrying a blade give you powers? You're looking at me. Does carrying a blade give you powers? I mean, Adolin doesn't have powers from his shard blade. It doesn't seem like Renarin does either, but Syl was relieved when Dalinar gave his up. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm trying not to spoiler stuff, but we got like five dots in this chapter that could coalesce into the the answer, the question that you just asked. But, um, we don't give it away. Yeah. If, yeah, I guess the, the answer is where did Zeth get his shard blade? Who is his master? Who is, who's, yeah. Whose well, blade is it? Yeah, whose blade is it? Because it's not. Zeth's master. It's this random person in the prologue. His lord's blade. Yeah. Um, Because we do know that shard blades can be loaned out. We learned that Mm -hmm. earlier on the field with the the guy that Dalinar was talking to. Yeah. 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 Uh, Cool. Surge binding stuff. (laughs) So Adolin's the only one with a shard blade. And he's like, father, let me handle this. He's He's got a shard blade. Mm -hmm. And Dalinar says, no, we hit him together. I'm not asleep at the table this time, you bastard. You're not taking another one from me. And uh, they're watching him wind run. And Caladan's pulse is just racing. And the man does not, Seth does not dodge. Both Dalinar and Kaladin stab him with spears and he just takes it. It's like it doesn't even matter that he's getting stabbed. Like... At all. And we know that he's using Stormlight to heal himself because he did that, you know, we've seen we've seen this firsthand when he assassinated Gavilar. Oh. But he, he throws Adolin on the ceiling. <laughs> and I was I was terrified for a minute because do you remember when we're reading Gavilar's assassination yes. and you're like, This is my favorite murder of the whole book. <laughs> <laughs> the guy falls on the sword from the ceiling. Yeah. And so, like, on the ceiling, Zeth is stepping over Adolin mm-hmm. and says, I am sorry. Stormlight streaming from his mouth. I don't want to do this. Oh, that gave me the chills. Like, oh, like, ugh. Like, uh, okay, question. Then you yeah. don't have to answer okay. this. But, like, when he's assigned to do something, does uh-huh. he, like, okay, so you... You know, Ella Enchanted. Right? I was just going to ask what the Ella Enchanted rules. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, she's physically, something forces her to do something. Uh-huh. Is there a consequence for him not doing it? Or is this just his, like, very specific, ingrained, innate belief that he must do this because he's been ordered? I don't think you can answer it, but, like, like oh, that's what yeah, I'm so worried like, about. Uh,. Like, the people like, in the story that killed anyone who made a mistake, and then later, they didn't have to do that, but... Ugh. I'm gonna have to rave for you. I know! Ah! Yeah, it, I will say, it's probably one of those two options. <laughs> does he have to do it, or does he not have to do it? <laughs> I'm so worried 
for everyone in this scene. I'm worried for Zeth. I'm worried for Dalinar. I'm worried for Kaladin. I'm worried for every single person except Elokar. Uh, yeah, and but Kaladin has a, a nice moment with the spear. Strikes made with precision. A moment of oneness with a weapon. He forgot his worries, forgot his failures, forgot even his rage. Just Kaladin and a spear as the world was meant to be. Oh, I loved that line. I loved that line. And he's doing really good. He's doing really well. Because he even sees an opening where he's like, I have him. Mm -hmm. But the assassin twists out of the way. He moves too fast. Mm -hmm. Faster than Kaladin himself. And then Kaladin's next moves are coming by instinct. So like... Kaladin's holding his own against a shard bearer again, and this time a shard bearer with additional magic powers. Yeah. But Emily, his luck runs out. It does. Well, here's the here's the thing. Yeah. Uh Kaladin's next moves came by instinct. Years of training gave his muscles minds of their own. If he'd been fighting an ordinary foe, the way he automatically shifted his weapon to block the next swing would have been perfect. But the assassin had a shard blade. The silvery weapon sheared through the remnant of Kaladin's spear, then through Kaladin's right arm, just below the elbow. A shock of incredible pain washed through Kaladin, and he gasped, falling to his knees. Then, nothing. He couldn't feel the arm. I had forgotten that this could happen. <laughs> like, I think it's worse that his arm just didn't get cut off. Because... It's useless now. Like, <laughs> yep. the hand falls open. He cannot He cannot control it anymore. <gasps> I can't beat him. So, so Sil comes over to Kaladin. He's like, I can't beat him. T Kaladin whispered, tears in his eyes, tears of pain, tears of frustration. He's one of us, a radiant. No, Sil said forcefully. No. He's something far more terrible. <gasps> no, Sil. Oh! <laughs> Chills. I'm getting chills on my scalp as I'm reading this. No spren guides him, Kaladin. Please get up. And then listen, I just I just want to storyboard this whole book. I want to show run this television series. I want to put this to film. But anyway, Kaladin's down wounded. Adolin's out of the count. And Dalinar gets to his feet in the corridor between the assassin and the king. I won't let you have him, Dalinar bellowed. Not Elokar. You took my brother. You won't take the only thing I have left of him. Even though technically Dalinar has his wife too. <laughs> <laughs> Yasna! Oh, yeah. Yasna won't be owned by anyone. She's a free spirit. She's a force unto herself. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to interrupt this because the most incredible thing happens. <gasps> I'm not here for him, High Prince, he whispered, stormlight puffing from his lips. I'm here for you. And Emily, he swings it down. Kaladin is trying to get up. You know, his one hand is useless. He'll never wield a spear again, but still he's trying to get to Dalinar. He's still trying to protect him. He's still trying to save him. Kaladin's like, I'm going to fail. What, what does Dalinar do? Dalinar claps his hands over and and gets the, stops the sword from slicing him in half. Oh he, my gosh, he catches it. Like he did with the... the <laughs> Foreshadowing. 
because only the edge of the blade cuts through things. So if he like catches the sides perfectly, oh my gosh, honestly, it's so good. It's so good. Mm -hmm. And so it distracts Seth for just a moment. What does Kaladin do? Kaladin plows into him and his momentum carries him and Seth out the hole that Seth had cut in the wall and they plummet. Like he shoves him out of the stronghold and they are free falling. Which ironically is the song for this week's playlist. No, we already did that one. Oh, dang it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then we're going to do gravity <laughs> tried to bring me, me down. down okay gravity says dang it we already used free falling yeah for for uh risens oh yeah it's such a good song all we right can put it on twice we're, we're using we're using gravity then wait the wicked one or the john mayer one? Oh no that's defying that's gravity, defying gravity. That's <laughs> this is definitely different this is okay what song should it be then what's I think that's a okay, good yeah. one. I just was John like, Mayer's gravity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh! Like, ah! All these scenes from before that like just seemed like really cool scenes. Like, oh, all Brandon, you make me together. so angry. <laughs> <laughs> this is so infuriating that you can do this so well. Ugh. Whew. I'm sweating. Hey, Emily. <laughs> So what's going to happen? Okay. So Kaladin's like, he knows he can never wield a spear again, but he's like, I cannot think of that right now. Like, absolutely, I cannot think of that. Here's my hope, is that Nivani will be able to come up with some sort of Fabriel. Okay. Do you remember how she had one that blocks pain? Yeah. I wonder, because the Ooh. because the, the soul is severed from the body, mm-hmm. if there's some way that it can, like... So, like... like like, when you open up, when there's a... Can I finish my thought? Okay. I, I want to be helpful. Okay. That Navani's made something that can block sensation. Can she create a Fabriel that, that projects opens. sensation? Yeah, yeah. That, like, when you... If there's a dam or whatever, you know, like a beaver dam, and you, you take it away and the water comes through again. Like, that's what I'm hoping is that... Uh, not that I'm saying, I don't want Kaladin to get better. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, this is such a big thing... I'm really hoping it's not solved in just a couple of chapters. I hope that that Dalinar puts effort and time into this problem and comes up with a like really cool solution. So you think Kaladin is going to survive hitting the ground yes, at a million miles? An I hour? do. Okay. Of course I do. I'm thinking of this uh, opening of a Bones episode. <laughs> A body gets thrown out of a plane, and they actually show it hitting the ground and going splat. Oh, oh gross! No, I think Kaladin's going to pull. I, I mean, I the fight's not over with with Zeth. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. What's going to happen? Okay, I have no idea. I would like you to guess. Okay, Kaladin somehow grabs a hold of like the wall that they're falling down, and the effort. The, the force still pulls Seth down. Like, Seth can't stop it. He uses up all of his stormlight, and he's too injured, and he doesn't have access to stormlight. They keep him prisoner, and they get him on their side somehow. Like, I don't know. I just... <sighs> so you're saying this would be the first time Zeth ever fails a mission, and he would just No, that that's happen. not what I'm saying. Okay. I'm saying down the road. that the, What I'm hoping is that he will be injured, but not to the point of dying. 
Because, you know, it gets someone on your side, throwing them in jail for a while. <laughs> to, like, be re-educated. <laughs> okay, that's called torture. No, that's not. <laughs> okay, oh. What are you going to do with me? You will be re-educated. <laughs> you see how scary that sounds? Well, here's the, here's the thing is that this is the man that killed Gavilar. Yeah. He's not going to be safe here. No. <gasps> he, yeah. <laughs> do you know what? I think we should forgive him. That's not what you know, I was saying either. Yeah, you put me on the spot. That's not what I was saying. <laughs> you can get better at predictions, I guess. Don't worry. You don't have to predict. I will let you read and find out. Okay. So let's wrap up this episode so you can read what's next. Okay. So, um, chapter 29, the heralds we have. Do you recognize either of those heralds? Is one of them Shal... Nope. Yep. Oh, it is Shalash. Yeah, so the one with the, the hair down and the four, big forehead That's jewel is Shalash. That's not 29. Because this is a Sadius chapter. <clears throat> the one with the forehead down and the big jewel is still Shalash. Still Shalash, okay. Uh, helmet? Isn't that Yeet? Oh, that's Telenolat? Yeah. Okay, I was going to say uh, Yezrian, but... No, yeah, that's that's Talon. So we got Soldier and we've got Art. Why are they hanging out in... Uh, I feel because doing all the political stuff he is doing is a form of art. Ooh. Like, it's a dance sort of a thing. Nice. Thank you. Town the, the soldier. Okay, and then chapter 30, Nature Blushing. And I don't know who this other lady is. She looks like Storm from the X-Men. Mm. Yeah, so we haven't seen her. I don't know if we've seen her, period, or we just haven't seen her for a while, but that's Pala, Pala, okay. uh, who represents being learned and giving. Oh, she gives away the pictures. pictures. Yeah. And then Shalash, because there's a prayer to her mm-hmm. and something else in this chapter. Don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, and then <laughs> chapter 31, the stillness before. Oh, I Calm don't. before the storm. I don't. I'm going to have to, like, make a chart of these people because I don't remember mm-hmm. them. Um, so we have Vettel is the woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's usually associated with healing some way. Okay. Uh, and so I would I would say. The men coming up from yep, the Emotional chasms. healing. Yeah. And then Ishar is the, the pious, the guiding one. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, Kaladin is guiding the new bridgeman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Tin is guiding Shallan on oh. their, their new journey. This one's Yezrian. Uh-huh. The Stormfather. Yes, you are correct. Thank you. Uh, and the other storm, the Sprint Stormfather is talking to Kaladin and is like, we have an actual conversation. And then um, this other one, Chichanarach. Okay. Uh, she represents bravery and obedience. Oh. And, um... Man, that fight scene. So good. And I'd like to to put a little special flag of obedience for Renarin, who once again runs from the fight when his father tells him to. This happened with the Chasm Fiend, Mm -hmm. and this has happened with the Seth fight. Yeah. Good job, buddy. Setup, reminder. Payoff? Is Renarin going to run from the next fight he's told to run from? We'll find out. Okay, can I take this off and read it now? Not yet. We've got (laughs) to wrap up the episode. So next week... We are going to, now just bear with me, everyone. Megan we are going to Camille. do, it's, it's, look at how few pages okay. it is. We're going to do chapter 33, Burdens. We are going to do chapter 34, Blossoms and Cake. Oh. 
and that's the end of part two. Okay. And I'm going to have us do the interludes. Okay. They're they're short. And I'm going to read you who is going to be on the interludes. Okay. Eshenai. Given. Zahel. <gasps> it's Fasher! <laughs> There's one more. Is it Zeb? No. Tom. <gasps> I was waiting for him to come back. I was actually going to ask you, Megan, when he was coming back when we talked about the stars. I'm like, he showed up in the end, and I guess that he was coming back. When do we actually get to freaking see him? So we're going to let Emily finish part two. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. It's an ominous And then song. we're going to read the interlude, <laughs> okay. and then we're going to record it right away. Alrighty. So, you guys, it's going to be great. I love you all. Come see us at Dragon Con, mm-hmm. Steel Con, Dragon Steel Con, a raid spread, a raid spread. But Emily, you're gonna have so much fun reading those chapters. I know. I'm really excited and nervous, but and in the meantime, we're gonna make a. Oh yeah, and I gotta get back to. I might actually film your reactions for her TikTok. We have a TikTok we now. Have TikTok. At Sisman, and me view it. Perfect. I believe in you. I believe in you too. Ready, Ready break. I literally just opened my eyes so I could do this for Emily. Um, I ambushed her. She's been sleeping all day. She's done nothing. Why are you so mean to me? I'm your older sister. I did a work all nighter. (laughs) And then I did, uh, stayed up till fan art to do 2 a.m. the next night (laughs) because my sleep schedule was all wonky. And now we're filling up my car because we're just going to drive there and back again to California to jump off a bunch of my stuff because Emily's sick and tired of That's not what it is exactly. It's not 100%. What it is. Everything you own to the garbage dump because it just can't be in the house anymore. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for listening to this episode of My Sister Made Me View It covering Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson. And a huge thank you to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song A Passing Storm as our intro and outro. Find us on our sock meds, that's social medias, at Sis Made Me View It basically everywhere. We have a TikTok. I don't think I've posted anything up. I have video footage. I want to get on there. I just Perfect. don't know. I haven't decided how to edit it, it yet. <laughs> you know where else you can find us? It's on Spotify. Yeah. Um, so every episode we talk about doing a playlist that is on Spotify. It is linked in the episode descriptions usually. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can find My Sister Made Me a Playlist. And something else about Spotify is we got to see all of you who listened to our yes. raps. Like, we were showed up on a bunch of Spotify raps this year. So That was so fun to see. Thank you so much for listening to us. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for just being seriously and literally the most wonderful listeners we could podcast co-hosts could have. Megan, wake up. I need you to record the ending. <laughs> I, I don't think been. I need to be here for this. <laughs> Tell them you love them. I love you, listeners. <laughs> Her, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I'm so bossy. I'm sorry. What was okay? So I literally just started cleaning the kitchen, right? 
Like I had just walked in there and, and opened up the dishwasher and Emily comes in and she's like, so I know you're not that far along, but ideally I would like everything off of the counters. And I'm like, what do you, what does it look like? I'm doing you putting more stuff on. I was setting expectations. You, know, you, you guys, it is, Emily has such a hard time with us as her sisters because she's like, I would like a schedule of when we are doing things today. And then the rest of us are like, well, we just figured we do whatever we feel like. And she's like, yeah, but when? Because <laughs> if not, but, my brain is just like in perpetual waiting mode of like, mm-hmm. you can't do anything until you do the thing that you know you have to do. But you don't know when to do the thing that you know you have to do because you don't know when to do the thing that you need I to do. I want to say I am so proud of you of setting boundaries and expectations with us this week. I am sorry that we kind of just laugh at you and do whatever we want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to it. Uh, listeners, catch us a week from today. So this is coming out, what, Thursday, December the 8th? Yes. Okay, so catch us a week from that, which is Thursday, December the 15th, uh, as we will release our next Roswell podcast. And then we will be back the week following, uh, Thursday, December the 22nd, for another Words of Radiance episode. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you on the flip side. See you on the flippity flop. Bye.